this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. We've been in a study called Stand for many, many weeks. And if you've missed any of them, I, I just ask you to go back and look at them, watch them, listen to them. I love technology and that you can actually be here even if you aren't here, although we'd rather have you here. Um, but that you can go back and you can consume, consume things. And uh, last week we hit on a topic that I've gotten more conversations this week than I've ever gotten before, and uh, it was about belief and unbelief, and uh, the key to our walking in the kingdom of God is in our belief, in our belief system. And so I had a lot of things prepared um, for this series. Thank you, gentlemen, as you come up here. That would be awesome. Um, I, had, I had a lot of things prepared, and my book is full of things, and, and I'm excited to share them with you, and I just wanted to share them with you. And, uh, and after this week, the Lord really pressed on my heart that we really have to understand our belief and unbelief, and that we can be in both at the same time. And, uh, and so I want to recap for just a moment uh, last week's sermon. Uh, Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Or as you believe that you are, so you will be. I believe that many people walking the earth today, including believers, have believed a lie. They've believed a lie about who they are. They've believed a lie about their bank account. They've believed a lie about everything in their life because our society is set up to make you conform into what they want you to be. It's not what you are that holds you back. It's what you think you are not. I'll say it one more time. It's not what you are that holds you back. It's what you think you are not. It is your belief system that is the cornerstone of how you function as a parent, as a son, as a daughter, as a leader, as a business owner, as an employee. It is your foundational belief in who you are and who God has created you to be that will determine how you function in life. You are the sum total of all that you have been conditioned to think. There are things in your life that you've been conditioned to think. You make decisions. I don't know how many it is, but thousands and thousands of decisions every day are happening in your subconscious, in your mind, that, that you don't even think through. They just, they're auto decisions. You have pathways in your brain that make you make that decision over and over and over and over because you've been conditioned to think that way. And in most cases, that way is wrong. Because the word of God is confusion to the world. And the word of God is confusion to what we've been taught. And that is the problem. We also said that miracles don't change your mind. The disciples witnessed many miracles in their journey with Jesus. And yet their mind and their belief was still not solid as we encountered the scripture last week in Mark 9. I love the, the father who was brutally honest with Jesus in that story. His son had been plagued by a demonic presence. 
His son had been plagued by that, been plagued by that demonic presence for his whole life since childhood. And it would throw him down. It would do all kinds of craziness to him. And the father, Jesus asked the father, how long has this been with him? And he said, from childhood. And then he said, anything can be done for those who believe. And he said, Lord, help me in my unbelief. I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And I'm, I'm believing that an awakening is happening in the hearts and minds of people to say, I believe. I believe for 50 years. I believe for 30 years. I believe for three weeks since I, I knew about Jesus. But Lord, help me in my unbelief. It's very interesting that Jesus never rebuked the Father. He never said, you shouldn't be thinking that way. You shouldn't have any unbelief. You shouldn't have all that stuff. No, he just said, bless you. We're going to take care of this right now. He dealt with the demonic presence and moved on. Which tells me that this is a common instance in people that need healing and people that need restored is that they actually have unbelief in them. We all have some form of unbelief in us. In Matthew 13, 58, Jesus is leaving Nazareth and, and it says this, it says that he could not do many great works there because of their unbelief. If, if you begin to look at unbelief and belief throughout scripture, you'll find that belief is the key to your breakthrough. And as I was going over all the things that I wanted to share this morning, it really came down to one thing that I need to share this morning. Would you turn with me to Luke 9? Each of us had the same beginning. It doesn't matter our skin color. It doesn't matter anything. We all had the same beginning. We all began as a baby. We all began as a baby. Now, Nicodemus had a little weirded out session with Jesus about going back into his mother's womb. We're not talking about being born again that way this morning. We're talking about just being born, okay? You all were born as a baby. Now, maybe that was 87 years ago. Maybe that was 14 years ago. Whatever that is, we all started at the same place. And when we came into the world, we may have had a sinful nature, because we know that Adam fell and we got to get that straight. So we know we need redemption. But we all came in with zero beliefs. We had zero beliefs. We experienced life and we were put inside of a system. We were born into a system that taught us how to believe. And I am here to tell you that most of those things that you learned from that day until today are wrong. Most of the things are contradictory to the Constitution for your life. And it takes a lot to break through those beliefs to actually get to a belief in what the Word says. The battle in our lives is not just against sin. The battle is a belief that Jesus actually paid for it. See, many of us are distracted by fighting sin and, and distractions of all different types. But if we just had belief that Jesus did what he said he did, then we wouldn't be battling, right? And so we've got a lot of people around the world that are all worked up, battling, 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 unbelief. And all it takes is belief in what Jesus said. So from the minute you were born, your culture that you were born into has taught you things. There, there are many different types of cultures around the world. And you were probably born, everybody in the room was probably born in this culture of America, but there are different subcultures inside of America. 
And those subcultures teach you things as well. And I bet there's people watching online that are from all around the world and you were born into a culture and a system that has taught you what they want you to think. Man, that holds us back from all that God created us to be. Now, in Scripture, we can see there were people that had to change their belief system before God could really work through them. I, I remember sitting at a, at a restaurant with Pastor Reed because every time I go to Buffalo, we go to some cool new place. And we were sitting at one of the restaurants. I don't remember which one it was, maybe chefs or something, but we were sitting there and he said, he said, Rob, millions and millions and millions of dollars have flowed through my hands. I've been okay. I'm not a multimillionaire, but millions and millions and millions have flown through my hands. And he said, because I'm a conduit for what God wants to do on the earth, I allow all that stuff to just flow through me. And I realize that I'm like a hose. When water goes through it, the inside of the hose stays wet. And I believe there's so many people walking around that have kinked the hose. You know, when you're getting a drink out of the hose when you're little, I know they probably don't let you do that anymore, but whatever. It was, it was how we stayed healthy back then. We got those good germs, right? We kinked the hose and then we'd let it go just a little bit and then we'd let it go just a little bit and then we'd take that drink and then if you were really, if you were really ready to run, you'd wait till your friend and you'd hold it right till they got to the thing and then you'd let it go and then they get sprayed right in the face. Yeah, um, we did that, but see, we didn't understand the concept that God wants us to let go of the kink in the hose. He wants everything to flow through us. If he can get it to us, it'll flow through us if we're open for that. But your culture and society, and I'm just going to take a little bit of a, I, I don't have my stool here that I could stand up on and just go at it, you know, like, like you could do on the street corner. But I'm going to preach today a little bit about our society in America and why we are where we are and probably why you are where you are. And hopefully give you some tactics and some real life scenarios to which you can break through unbelief and just begin to walk in belief that Jesus said what he, he meant what he said, he did what he told you he was going to do. And, uh, and today the blood is still wet on the mercy seat for your sin. So you don't have to walk around worrying about sin. It's covered if you confess it, believe in your heart, right? Take it back, repent. That means turn around, don't do it again and, and walk away. And we don't get bound up by all the nonsense that the enemy wants to throw at us. Amen. Your culture and your environment will teach you a philosophy that they want you to have when interacting with them. They'll teach you how to interact with them in the right protocol. So, in all the American culture, which is where we're going to hang out this morning, because that's where we are right now, someday we'll be in other countries and I'll be able to talk about their cultures. Did you know that there are many countries around the world in which their whole identity, their belief system, everything came out of an oppressive government over them when they were born, Maybe they were in slavery, maybe they weren't, whatever. They were oppressed and they were taught to think what the master wanted them to think. Oh, if the church would just figure out, we don't live in a democracy. Amen. The church is not a democracy. Amen. The church, we don't get a vote. But if we just do what the master says, yes. your belief system becomes your personal philosophy out of which you will rule your life. If you're out of alignment with what it says, if, you know, we read in Acts 2 about what they did, right? And I won't go there, but, but we read about what they did. They waited on the Lord. He came. Spirit came. They started working in all the different things that God had told them they were going to do. And they had a lifestyle. If only the church was walking in that today. Yeah, 
right? If only the church was Acts 2 today, we would, we would actually start to figure this deal out. But I think so many of us are hanging out in the Old Testament. We're hanging out before the promise. We're hanging out in the law. And in the law, we become incapacitated to actually do what we're called to do because we don't acknowledge the new covenant, which is so much better. The foundation of your leadership. Now, I'm going to call you all leaders this morning because you're all leaders. The foundation of your leadership will be born out of that belief system in which you received as you were growing up. So I, I was talking with somebody yesterday over at the uh, Living History Luncheon with, uh, I don't know if you were here, but Oscar Schindler, amazing, amazing deal, amazing stuff. An, a Nazi that saved Jewish lives and just transformed his company into a place where you could house people, that Jewish people, he did it out of selfishness, by the way. He did it out of making money because the Jews were all that. You didn't even have to pay the Jews. You just gave it to the SS and they took care of it. But the, but the Jews in there, he fell in love with them. And he realized what was happening when he looked out his window and saw 3,000 people butchered and murdered, shot, left for dead in the field. And he said, whoa, something changed in me. And now I'm going to do everything. I'm, I, I've been out for money my whole life. And now I'm out for these people. And he saved thousands of people. And I was talking with somebody over there yesterday about our belief system and how in that shift of his belief system, the world will forever be changed. And I'm believing that this morning, some of you are going to walk that same path. Maybe God's going to put on your heart another country. Maybe he's going to put on your heart a business. Maybe he's going to put on, on your heart something. But if you're actually willing to change your belief about yourself, you can see it come to pass. So we've been studying stand, simply trust and never doubt. And we know that Ephesians 6 tells us, having done all, stand. Yes, yes. And I wanted to go somewhere with it. I'm going to go this direction. But I believe that we've all grown up in a culture in America that has trained us to believe the wrong way. Now, do I believe in America? Yes. If you, if you watch any of the videos that we've done, believe me, the founding of our country is the most miraculous thing. Uh, the, the way that our country has come to the aid of, of Israel and many other nations around the world, I believe in America. I believe in an individual freedom. I believe in, in a revolution that, that happened. I believe in all of that stuff. I believe that our founders were guided by the Lord even if they didn't know him. Even if they didn't know them. You know, many people hate our founding fathers because maybe they weren't believers. Well, you know what? They were listening to something and got something right. And now we see the world trying to tear it all down. Right? Because it's the one thing that stands in the way of tyranny around the world, and that is our American beliefs. So hear my heart. I'm not cracking on American beliefs. I believe in individualism. But if we stay in the cultural divide that is America, and we don't get to the kingdom process, we're going to live in poverty. We're going to live in, in unbelief. We're going to live in the things that are not of the kingdom of God. And so I love America. I wouldn't want to live in any other place. I believe that we have everything, but I believe that the system was set up purposefully to keep you an employee. So as I push your buttons this morning, just bear with me. It's probably not me because I was going a different way this morning. Our education system was designed to make us good employees, cogs in a wheel. 
to make a good economy go so we can create more jobs so that you can have the American dream, the house, the white picket fence. That's what it was created to do. It wasn't created for some of the things that you're called to do or anointed to do. Many of you went to public school and I was on the school board for many years and I, I believe in schools, I do. I believe in educating our children. But I believe that the premise and the foundation of most of that was to make you an employee. And everything I read in the scripture says that you should own things. You should own things. You weren't trained to be a business owner unless you went after that yourself. You weren't trained to build a company unless you went after that yourself. You weren't trained to lead a country unless you went after that yourself. You weren't trained to buy an oil field or a gold mine. You weren't trained to do any of that unless you went after it yourself. It's always someone else that you're doing it for. It's always someone else because they've trained you and taught you that you need to do this for someone else and not you. We accept these ideas. We accept these philosophies. We go into institutions and allow them to change who we are. I was talking with a pastor yesterday and he has a friend in Pittsburgh. I'm not gonna mention any more detail than that, but it's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he's a principal of a grade school, K through six. And in that grade school, 50% of the students are transgender. 50%. Is it because they're transgender? It's because the culture says, if you wanna belong, we've got a place for you. Oh, how we need the church to be a place to belong. Oh, how we need a church to be a place to gather together and to be in community. Our system is broken. And the church has abdicated its responsibility to be on the school board, to be in the classroom teaching, to stand for truth. As I was talking with Ken yesterday and hearing all the things that he's dealing with in the school system in which he's teaching students, he can't even say that we're a constitutional republic in history class because people get offended. We live in a day and age when truth is ridiculed. We have been trained to be employees, not employers. Now hear my heart, it's not that I'm upset with employees, but I believe that the, if we follow the word of God, we will see a path to ownership. A path to ownership. One of the things that I find very interesting is that many people that come out of our systems and structures today are afraid of success. Now you may say to me, we live in America, everybody can be successful, then why aren't we? I believe it too, we live in the most success-oriented country in the world, and yet many, 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 many people walk around unsuccessful in life because our beliefs have been founded in not being successful. 
You see, because if you're successful, then you actually think for yourself. There are so many things I've learned, we've learned as a family by failing. Now hang on, this one's good for you. Even the religion you've been taught has reinforced your lack of self of belief. Your lack of self-belief. Because you can't have any part in this. But that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus said, the kingdom is here, come get it. If we are going to rest on our laurels and our blessed assurance and not go after what he's called us to go after, we'll never see the benefits of the kingdom of God. Ever. And we'll allow the streams of culture to make us drift. I've heard this stated before. You can't prosper too much or you might forget God. Stay poor and you'll stay humble before the Lord. I go back to the scripture. As a man thinks, so is he. I believe that God is a God of looking at our fruit as believers. And as he looks through time and he looks into this place this morning, my question is, does the fruit inspector find good fruit? You see, the church has said, stay away from power, influence, politics, money. Just hang on until Jesus comes. As I hear the moan across the crowd. That means you've heard that before. Not going to hear that here. What I'm here to tell you is you are a ruler. You're an owner. You're an employer. You can run any business you want. And you can own anything you believe in. But you have a chance to change your belief system every single day. You know, as we talk about the journey to the summit of knowing God, the the basic foundation of that is to be in the Word every single day. I find it astonishing that a very, very, very large percentage of Americans have never read a book completely since high school. And, the, and the, the number is staggering. I can't remember it, so I'm not going to say it. But it's staggering. The average millionaire reads one book a month. Correlation? Now you may say you're a prosperity pastor. Well, I'm definitely not a not-prosperity pastor. <laughs> There's a lot of non-prosperity pastors. I, am a, I believe in the prosperity of the kingdom of God. I believe you have to tap into it. I'm not going to stand here and say everybody needs a corporate jet, but if you get one because you believe in it, then I believe you got it. You, you tapped into something that 90% of the other people aren't tapping into. But you have a chance every single day to change your belief system. Now, there's many books, and I talked about millionaires. The, the average, what would, what would it be? The average, it's not billionaire, but it's somewhere above, above millionaire. Anyway, reads two books a month. And there's a direct correlation between Growing in your belief and success. Now, I know that this is just not what you were expecting this morning, and that's okay. But Jesus said, I come to bring to you the kingdom, the kingdom. 
Now, he didn't say, I come to give you the kingdom of God, so go therefore and make converts of this belief. And yet, for centuries, the church has went to the minimum viable product. Now, I don't know if you know anything about business, but when you're launching a new product, you go to the minimum viable product. The, the smallest thing you can do to launch it, get it out there and make sure it probably fails in some way so you can fix it and make it better. Jesus didn't call us to go out there and do the minimum thing. Get people to Jesus, get them born again, and we're good to go. That isn't at all what you read in Scripture. That's probably what you've been taught. But that's probably not, I know it's not what's in Scripture. He said, the kingdom is here. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's not make converts of all nations. That's not to go and just get people born again. That is to go and show them the kingdom of God. Now, everywhere I read in this, in all these bookmarks, it tells me that the kingdom of God is much more than what we see here. And yet, our goal is to go get more people born again. And I'm not against that. Hear my heart. But if we're just getting them born again to get them fire insurance so they can sit for 30 years in our churches and live on their blessed assurance, we're missing the kingdom of God. And what is so powerful to the world to sit and watch someone who's just resting on their blessed assurance, God, come get me out of here. This is such a screwed up world. Come take me out of here. He wants us to give people the kingdom, the good news, the gospel, the gospel isn't get born again. The gospel is all of the kingdom of God is at your fingertips if you want to partake. The world isn't looking for condemnation. They get enough of it. The world is looking for hope. Hope doesn't come by saying, I'm in the same boat you are, Sally. But I'm a believer. You want to come to church with me? Be a part of this group? We get together all the time and talk about the word, but we don't see it all happen. I don't think that that's what they're looking for. What I know is, is that people that are, that are living a life with nothing, we were talking about it in pre-service prayer, a mission trip to L.A. and to Tijuana and watching people sleep on cardboard. And when we were in D.C. this last summer, watching people sleep on cardboard and you want to go help them. But they're not looking for you to bring them the gospel of Jesus. They're looking for you to bring them the kingdom. And the best news to a poor person is they don't have to be that way anymore. Because somebody else already paid for that. And I've met him. And you can meet him too. And your life will change. Now many of you in this room have, have experienced a transformation in belief when you met Jesus. And he took unbelief away about something. And he put belief in there. And you started to believe something that you had never believed before. And you started to see things you'd never seen before. So my question is, is the world seeing the kingdom of God in you? Yeah. 
Turn with me to Luke 9, verses 1 through 6. Then he called the twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority. I love that Luke says power and authority. If you go into the other Gospels, one says power, one says authority. Luke says, I'm just going to combine them all together. They received power and authority over some of the things they were going to encounter. Sporadically throughout the room and echoing online is all, Pastor. It says all. Interesting. They had authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the gospel of Jesus. No. Oh, it doesn't say that. It says he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. Woo! Come on. That means that when they, when they went into those situations, they weren't bringing their broken selves with a little bit of Jesus. They were bringing the whole kingdom. The whole kingdom. Now I want you to get this picture in your mind. Okay? There's a mansion. I just saw one on TV the other day. It's in Canada somewhere. It's like 11,000 square feet. Now some of you in your religious mind, you're thinking that's too big for anybody. Get over that because you might, God might have one for you and you just haven't seen it because of your unbelief. <laughs> okay, so it's like 11,000 square feet. It's got horses at the gates. It's got all this stuff. It's amazing. I want you to think about the kingdom of God with me and I can guarantee if you just track with me, you'll never forget about the kingdom of God ever again. So just listen. You, you see this mansion, and you're like, I am not worthy to go into this mansion. I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't feel like I'm worthy to get in there. And then you meet someone, and they say, listen, I'm connected with that person, and I'll help you get in the door. I'll help you see what's inside. The pictures don't do it justice. It is amazing. The double staircase when you walk in, the floor of marble, everything is gorgeous. It smells amazing. It smells like a Marriott. It's amazing. <laughs> By the way, if you ever travel with Foursquare, we stay at Marriott's all the time, and they all have the same smell. It's like orange and mint together. It's really good. So, so like, you, you go and you, you're imagining what this thing looks like on the inside. Bet you there's no wallpaper. You're, you're just imagining what all the great things. It's got 14 bathrooms. I hate, hate to clean all that. It's got everything. It's got just everything. And you meet someone who has the ability to get in there. And you say, they say, hey, Pastor Rob. Now, if you ever ask me to go fly, go do anything, go into any of these things, I'm going. I don't care. I'm, I just want to experience it, right? So I'm sure you want to experience this too. And you get up and you go to that place and the person that you went with has a key to the door. And they get you into the door. They stick the key in the door and they open it up and both doors open up and you can see this amazing place. And then you say... Nah, it looks so awesome. I would hate to mess it up. So I'm going to stay right here. You go through, and when you're in the different rooms, you tell me what you see. Would you ever do that? But you are. Turn with me to John 10. 
John 10, verse 9, Jesus says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, I know that, I know that you're looking at this verse and you're thinking pasture. Well, right, okay. Jesus is the door. And when we get born again, we go to this mansion and we stand in front of this mansion and Jesus says, I am the door, come through me and you can experience the kingdom of God. When you get someone born again or when you're born again, you have the option of whether you step past the door into the kingdom or not. I think, I think many, many believers are jammed at the doorway. I got Jesus and my blessed assurance, I'm gonna chill here. And I'll be okay. I'm at least close to the kingdom. Now, Jesus said, preach the kingdom of God. Not preach me. He could have said, just go preach about me and people get born again because they believe that I died on the cross and I took their pain and their sickness and they can stand in freedom and be okay. But that's not what he said. He said, go preach the kingdom, which includes him because he's the doorway there. And so we're, we're in a time, if you just imagine where you're at right now, you, you have had this paid for. The door's unlocked. The doors are open. You can actually see the kingdom. But you don't know what all the rooms look like. You don't understand what it's like to stand in a dining room with 74 chairs. You don't know what it means to stand in complete healing and restoration on the second floor, the third room on the left. You don't understand what it means to not have to worry about any finances at all. For so long, for so long, I stood at the door and I was happy that I was going to heaven. And I was asking God to come take me out because I wanted to go live in streets of gold and he's preparing a place for me and I want to go and experience it. But that's not our call as believers. I hear so many people just wanting their, wanting their escape route out of here. The scripture tells us completely exactly what will need to happen before that happens. And everyone will be taught, not the gospel of Jesus, everyone on the planet will hear the gospel of the kingdom. So many people have checked off that we've hit every mark so we're ready for Jesus to come back. Well, I think that if we hit every mark, he'd be back. And so I don't think that the whole world has heard the gospel of the kingdom. I think a lot of the world has heard the gospel of Rob and the gospel of Jonah and the gospel of everybody else, maybe even the gospel of Jesus, but they haven't heard the gospel of the kingdom or we would see a transformative culture. We're ambassadors of a kingdom. We're here to bring a kingdom culture to this earth. And yet we don't look that way. We stand at the door. I want to take you on this journey with me really quickly. Luke 9, we're going to continue. 
He gave them all power and authority, right? He gave them what they needed to do to handle anything they came across. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Those two are tied together this morning. They were tied together in this word. They're tied together in your life. If you preach the kingdom of God, the sick will be healed and raised up. If you teach the gospel of anything else, that may not happen. Just saying. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there, depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go into that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed. You mean they had to do something? You mean God was asking them to go do something? I thought that we could just wait on him. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. This is not an indictment on you this morning. This is not an indictment on any of us in the room. I'm just asking you, if this, if this is saying anything to you, then you better pick it up and make some changes. If you're preaching to your neighbor the gospel of the kingdom, expect that cancer will disappear. But culture would say that you go to your neighbor and you look over the fence and you say, what'd the doctor say? How'd the test go? You're in belief for the system that the world has taught you. And God is saying, there's so much more, fellas. You're getting ready to go out and do some things. Don't worry about what the world says. Don't worry about your coat. Don't worry about your hat. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about any of it because I've got provision for you. Now, I want you to understand, they weren't accessing Jesus' anointing to go do this. They were walking in an anointing. They were walking in the kingdom anointing. It wasn't like Jesus was following, you know, Simon and Andrew, and when they had need, he would take a little bit of coin and drop it in their pocket. <laughs> no, they were beginning to learn how to function in the kingdom of God and walk in his provision. Everything in these first six verses goes against everything that culture has taught you. Make sure you got your retirement. Make sure you got health insurance. Make sure you got all of it. Am I against all that? No. But if that's your source, you got your reward. I think it's interesting in the very first verse there, it says, then he called his disciples together. That's interesting because don't you think, like whenever I read scripture, sometimes I'm a little, like I have my own thinking on this, um, and then scripture sort of brings you back to the level, that they probably weren't all with Jesus if he had to call them together. Because they had life they were doing. They had families, they had business, they had things going on. They weren't 24 hours a day, seven days a week for three years with Jesus. He had to call them together. Hey guys, come together. I want to teach you something. I want, to, I want to take you further than you've ever gone before. You know, in their calls, he said, I'll make you fishers of men. Didn't know what that was at the time, but I know there's an anointing on this fella and I want to go find out. 
And now they're saying, hey, 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 come, come, come gather together. Listen, there's going to be a day that comes in which you will have to stand on what you're about ready to learn. Are you willing to go? Come together. So there's 12 of them, and if my math is correct, that means that there were six sets of two. I did learn something in school. And all of them had the same command, take nothing with you. So Matthew 10, you don't have to turn there, but it gives us a little more detail into this whole call deal. And it gives us who went out together. It says Simon and Andrew. Actually, I'm just going to turn there because it's so good. Matthew 10, 2 through 4. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They went out together. Then we have James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Altheus and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. When he sent him out, he sent him out in pairs, Simon and Andrew, Thomas and Matthew, James and John, James and Thaddeus, Philip and Andrew, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot. Is it important who you hang with? Yeah. Their belief system could be swayed by who they hung with. So they were told, go out and do all of these things. You're anointed, you've got power and authority, go and do it. The people who you're called to be in the fire with are super important. Because they're not going to walk away from you. They're going to be with you through all of it. And they're going to help you believe. Now, there was another time when Jesus sent out a group of people. Turn with me there to Luke 22, 35 and 36. And he said to them, when I sent you without money, bag, knapsack, sandals, did you lack anything? You engaged in a kingdom project. You went out and healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the lepers. You went out and did all this in power and authority. You walked the earth and you, did you have need of anything? No, everything was provided for you. Sons, today you're experiencing the kingdom of God. It's not in and of yourself. It is by entering into the kingdom. Through who? The door Jesus. So let's keep reading. He said, so they said they lack nothing. Then he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garments and buy one. See, I love the progression of scripture. Jesus just lays it out for us. In the beginning, he calls us to go do something that is not comfortable and completely against your belief system. I want you to go out. I don't want you to take anything with you and I'll provide for you. I will, I will give you everything you need. And, uh, and you know what? You'll lack nothing. And when you go into this place, go into one house. Now think about this. Now we, we are so Americanized. We think that we would go into a city and we go knock on every door. Right? You've done that. Come on. That's good stuff. But that's not what he said. He said go into one house that accepts you. And if they don't accept you, leave and dust off your feet. Do you realize that one house had the power for the whole city? 
The one person that you walk by because you're offended at them has the power to change the whole company if you're willing to actually stop. So this time he says, take provision with you. So Jesus first says, guys, I'm calling you together. Go out. You you aren't going to take anything with you. And they didn't lack anything. Then later on in ministry, after more times of trying and failing and watching Jesus do it and being successful, now he says, go take all this stuff with you. If you don't have a sword, you better grab one because the fight is even stronger today than it was before. You see, if we're going to do what Jesus has called us to do, to to give the kingdom of God to the world, to make disciples of all nations, then we better be willing to go to the third door on the left and experience some healing in our personal life in the kingdom sense. Otherwise, you're never going to be able to lead anybody there. You see, the first time he called them to go, it was their growth test. The second time he called them to go, it was, we're going to take some other people with us and teach them how to do it. It is the key to building the kingdom on earth. And it happened in discipleship. Now, I've traveled and I've talked to pastors and I've met with pastors and I've done Zooms with pastors. And and I always ask this question because normally I'm the young one in the group or at least the younger side of the group. And I say, so where, if you could change anything in your ministry, what would you change? Well, we really did not do well at discipleship. We had 3,800 people in our church, but man, discipleship, we didn't do well at that. And I'm sure that you've been part of churches in which discipleship wasn't a key. And if that was a part of this church over all the generations, I'm here to say I apologize. Because as a leader, he doesn't call us to make converts and make you comfortable in your seats. He calls us to make disciples of all nations. To grow you up in understanding the kingdom of God. And I think for the greater part, we've missed it. But I'm here to say we're not missing it anymore. Anymore. For them, he provided power and authority. Now, I want to take you to one last part of this. It says that they went into the house, and if they were accepted, then they were able to minister. It didn't say they went from house to house. It says they went to one house. In that one house, they were able to stay there, and the people provided for them. I want to ask you this question. Do you believe that the people would have provided for them if they would have just hung out on the, on the couch? Or if they would have just chilled out and talked to them about nonsense? I think that the provision would have dried up if they weren't demonstrating the kingdom in which they came to proclaim. I'll pause and let that sit for a few minutes. For them to be provided for, the power would have to be real in them and through them. For you to impact the community in which you're called to minister to, the power has to be in you and it has to flow through you. 
You see this dream board up here. I read this often. We pray over it as a team often. As intercessors, we're believing for you. We're believing that the things on these cards are going to be transformative to the world for the kingdom of God and, and just be avenues for you to minister in new ways. I want you some time to take a look at that board and the things that are on there, the dreams of your own hearts are not things that you learned in school. They're not. I would say 50% of these up here are business entrepreneurial things that God has placed in you for you to actually execute in the world to build the kingdom. Didn't learn that in fourth grade. So what I'm here to tell you today is, is that all of these are accessible if you walk past the door into the kingdom and allow him to provide what you can't do on your own. There's a vast kingdom that God wants us to experience as believers so that it becomes a part of who we are so that we can then share it to those around us and the provision in which you think you need to actually accomplish all this is in that. Because when they went and they were accepted, everything was taken care of. And then when we get past these and we get into the next round, God may say, hey, you better take some of that stuff with you because this battle is going to be a little different. I remember when I began to think about dreams years ago. I met someone who was in their 40s and had never swam a day in their life. They were deathly afraid of water. And I remember I was so intrigued because I think as a baby they just threw me in. <laughs> I figured it out. But okay, so, so I was like, okay, you're, you're in your 40s, I don't remember exactly, but you've never swam in a pool. Let's go down to the pool at the hotel and we're gonna try this baby out. I ain't going near the water. Nope, I ain't going near the water. And I remember thinking, man, you're missing out. This is so much fun. I love it. But it took some training. What does that mean? I'm going to give you this really quickly, so take notes quickly. There are some steps to swimming. You didn't think you were getting a swimming lesson this morning, but I can guarantee you it ties into where we're going. Now, by the way, we talk about education. It's not just about reading books. I had the most amazing time this week watching rehab, like physical rehabilitation. People teach how to train other people how to stand. That's where I wanted to go today, but God said, no, you're going to talk about swimming. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I watched some YouTube videos about these guys and women who were teaching other physical therapists how to get people to stand when they've been in an accident or whatever. They know how to stand. They've stood before, but now we got to teach them what standing really is again. And we have to go back to the basics. So for those of you who've never swam before, this will help you. For those of you who have, just bear with me for one moment. Number one, let go of fear. 
Subpoint under number one, do not ever swim alone when you're learning. <laughs> Don't worry, the chuckles will get louder as you realize how this attaches to that. Don't swim in moving water. That's pretty good, yeah. Stay in a depth in which you can stand in. Get used to floating. Get used to resting and being held up by that in which you're in. Come on. Come on. Don't panic. You ever been floating and then some just, oh, they anger you. You're floating and you're all relaxed, not a muscle moving, and then somebody decides to do a cannonball? <laughs> Leave it to the seven in the group to do that. Number four, practice breathing. Probably be a good thing. <laughs> Number five, hold on to the wall and begin to kick your legs. Number six, tread water. This morning, I think that many of us as believers have been treading water for a long time. We've been treading water, we've been existing. We've known about the kingdom, but we've been enjoying the view. It's so amazing, stand on the front porch and look at the view. But we haven't accessed what God has for us. So then we graduate to the next little part. You know all that stuff now, you're, you're an avid swimmer. At least you can tread water. <laughs> there are some things that we have to learn to navigate as swimmers. Maybe you've never experienced these, but someday you might. Know how to get out of a riptide. Know how to get out of a river current. Some of you this morning have been living in a riptide for a long time and you've been tumbled on the rocks, and you've been hurt and broken. You've tried to swim with all your might, and it hasn't had any effect. But when you know how to swim out of a riptide, that knowledge becomes wisdom for your children, your grandchildren, and everyone you meet. God is birthing a story in each of you He's, he's, he knows the rocks you've been in. He knows the mistakes you've made. He knows that you've swam as hard as you could to save that thing, and it just hasn't happened yet. But he says, if you hang with me, I'll show you how to swim out of a riptide. And when you get back to shore, you may be exhausted. You may be full of sand. But when you get back to shore, you're going to let everybody know, don't go that way. You see, the reason why the church hasn't been effective at delivering the kingdom of God is because many people haven't experienced the kingdom of God in their trial. 
They've tried to swim out of it. They've tried to go against the current. They've tried to do everything in their power to get out of that divorce. They've done it. They're trying to get out of that sickness and disease. They're trying to get out of the discouragement, the depression, the things that have held them back. They're trying, they're trying, they're trying, and it's not working. Because it's not about you. It's about knowing the way. Knowing the way. To get out of a rip current, if you all want to know, you swim sideways, parallel to the sand until you get out of it. And then you can swim to shore. To swim in a river, you don't swim against the current. You'll get exhausted too fast. You allow the current to take you and you gradually work your way to the side. Some of you are in need of that this morning. Some of you are in need of that this morning. The riptide has just tumbled and tumbled and tumbled you. You've been in this current, you can't stop. I'll end with this, Kyle, if you'd come. Caitlin, if you want to come this way. Um, one of the most interesting things in that video, that I, the videos that I watched was teaching people how to stand. One of, the, one of the most interesting things is, is if you're in a wheelchair and you stand up, oftentimes they have horizontal bars that you can hold on to. Some of you have been through physical therapy, you know what this is. And they're graduating from those bars now to other things because those bars actually don't allow your posture to be in alignment so that you can stand without help. And so now they, they've got this contraption where there, there are horizontal bars, but there's also vertical bars. And so what they want you to do is when you stand up from the wheelchair that you've been in for a while and you're trying to learn how to stand again, you're going to put your hands here because that's what they want you to That's where you're most comfortable. You can keep yourself stable. You hold on to the bars. But to get past that portion of your recovery, you have to actually hold on to the vertical bars. And when you hold on to the vertical bars, it actually aligns your life. It aligns everything in you from your shoulders to your hips to your knees to your feet. Many of us have been holding on and we've been out of alignment because we're hanging on to Jesus so much that we can't move. We've been holding on to that escape mentality that I got my fire insurance and I'm here just to hold on. I'm going to hold on till Jesus comes. And this excellent physical therapist said, this is what I do. Because everybody's mind is the same way. When they're holding on, they don't want to do anything else. They won't, he said, I have physically tried to get their hands off of those bars, but they won't come off because they're so holding on because they don't want to fall. And he said, so here's what I do. I have them hold the vertical bars. And I say, if you want to hang on to those, you can hang on to those. And when they do, they take that step of faith. They walk their hands up there. Now they're in alignment. He said, now that they're in alignment, now I can do what I need to do to teach them how to use their muscles again. And then he said this, and this is for somebody this morning. 
He said, as they're standing there on the bars, I have two platforms on either side of the bar. And I hand them a stack of cones. And I say, put the blue ones on the blue pad, put the green ones on the green pad. And they stand there and they have to hold the, they have to hold the actual cones in their hands. And the only way that they can put the cones on the pads is they have to actually use both hands to separate the cones and set them there. And in doing that, subconsciously, they don't even remember that they're not holding on anymore. And I believe that we witnessed that today in Luke 9. Jesus had told them how to do it. Jesus had said, I, I'm with you. But they were holding on with everything they had. And he said, listen, if you take the cones off and you set them on the things, you're going to be much better off. I'm not going to sit here and hold you. I'm not going to sit here and make sure that you don't fall. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, if you trust me and you use these things and put them back, I guarantee you, you'll be taken care of. Would you stand with me this morning? There's somebody in the room, somebody watching online this morning. This is for you. This is for you. You've been hanging on to your blessed assurance. You've been hanging on to your fire escape. You've been hanging on to all of it. You've been hanging on to Jesus. And he's saying, if you would just look vertically, if you would just hang on to this and trust me, I've got something that will help you grow. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I've got a challenge for you this morning. This isn't about, this isn't just about walking in the kingdom. This is about making a commitment that you're never going to exist in life relying on the horizontal bars to keep you up. Because what's going to happen is you're never going to learn how to stand. So being that we being that we are committed to making disciples, I ask you this question. Each one of the disciples that went out two by two had to make action, take action to actually walk into the provision that God has for them. And I know in my spirit that there's some people here today, people online watching us, that have never let go of the horizontal bars to actually take those steps of faith. Now, I don't know what you're here dealing with. I don't know what God has spoken to you. I don't know the dreams that he has for you. Some of you wrote them on the wall. That's amazing. But what I do know is, is that when you trust him, he will take care of you. But what I also know is, is that if you try to do it alone, you'll be sucked under the riptide, you'll be crashed into the rocks, you'll be living a life trying to make it. And he wants you to do it together. So I ask you today, as you're in a point of reflection, they're going to sing... If you're saying this morning that I have been on my own, 
This is not a condemning thing. We've all done it. We've been in seasons where we've tried to do it on our own. If that's you this morning and you are willing to say, I'm done doing it on my own. I want help. Then I just want you to come forward this morning. We're not making a scene, but if you've done this, I want you to come forward because this is a huge deal. God wants to do something in you. If you've tried to do it on your own and you just, you say, I'm done doing it on my own. I want to do it with someone else. We have a group of people here at the summit that are going to disciple you into wholeness. That are going to use this word and are going to help you understand what God really has for you and who you really are. So as they sing, I ask you to come forward. My God, you never will. Thank you, Lord, that in these moments of reflection, our response isn't toward a pastor. It's a response toward you and what you're asking us to do. Lord, I pray for a supernatural anointing on the discipleship ministry of the summit. As we raise up disciples to send them out, Lord, I ask not only for those who are trained and who are going to be training, but Lord, for those who are willing to be trained, that they would see you, that they would experience your kingdom, that they would be drawn to you in a new way. Lord, that we wouldn't be hanging on to an escape mentality, but that we would be here to do what you've asked us to do, to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. this day Lord you are amazing you're amazing take every seed that has been sown this morning that you would multiply it that you would Lord produce fruit in lives today we wait for you thank you Lord thank you Lord praise you Lord we worship you Understand who you are, who you created us to be. 
Lord, we bind any work of the enemy in our minds, in our thoughts, in our actions. Any assignment of the enemy, we cancel right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, this morning, I loose every person here to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in a new way this week that they would encounter you. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we believe that part of our worship is offering. So if you prepare your offering, but I'm going to do something that um, I'm just going to put Josh on the spot. Josh, I know you're listening back there. Would you come up here for a minute? We're going to use this mic DJ. So now if you're watching online, Josh just left you hanging. (laughs) So Josh is here. Uh, Josh, you've been doing a ton of stuff at the summit and we are so grateful this is a part of josh's and kyle's creation and our team as we put together growth track but i want to ask you personally about your belief and uh and there was a service a year ago over now um that uh that your belief shifted you went from unbelief to belief can you just share a minute about what that was to you and what that might mean to someone here well, that, that belief was that, I, was what you said earlier, I was doing everything, trying to do everything myself. So I was striving, 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 you know, just trying to get ahead. And then um, I just wasn't getting ahead. But then I was, you know, I was starting to come to the summit, thanks to Kyle, um, listening to you talk, listening to you share the truth, which is, <laughs> the truth is so powerful. Um, so I started to realize that I, I don't, I don't do this on my own. That's not how I get ahead. So I did. I, I started to pray more, really started to try to sacrifice everything to God and just say, do, do what you do, what you want to do through me mm-hmm. and give me that power. And he, he did. It started to come the more I was, I was believing and just trying to change my mindset. Um, I don't know if anybody here has seen, we've got a podcast studio upstairs. We've got another studio over across the, the parking lot that we're working on. And, uh, you know, we've got green screen upstairs that we're, we're just doing all this really, really cool media stuff and helping people spread their message and, and connect with the people they need to connect to. And, you know, two years ago, I never would have thought that I could run a business doing that in Tuscarawas County. I just, I didn't think that was possible. But today I'm doing it. We're doing it. Kyle's doing it. God's doing it through us. I shouldn't say. I shouldn't say we're doing it. God's doing it. We're just letting Him use us to do it. So yes. Amen. There's more to come. Yeah. We we started with the the dream board. So if you want to put your dream on the dream board, please put it up there. This this works. You have to believe. But man, it's it's awesome. That's good. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. Give him a hand. One of one of my core values in life is we we believe in people in their dreams, and so um, that's what this board's all about. It'll be out in the lobby. Fill out a card, put it on here. We pray over them consistently. Our intercessors are believing and praying with us. But all of that to say, Josh hasn't done it alone, and we've met, we've worked. Just there's been a team to help him achieve his dreams. Now, many of you may be new here, and that's awesome, and we love that you're new. Many of you may have gone through all the training that that we did over the years, but uh, we've worked through COVID to provide you with a brand new ministry here at the Summit, and that is called Growth Track. 
And, uh, and our growth track here at the summit is not just for new people, but for people who want to know how to plug in. Uh, what I know is, is if we sit in our seats and we don't get active in what God is doing, we will never accomplish what he's asked us to accomplish. And so this is a three-week study. Uh, it is intense, believe me. Um, believe me, we've been, we've been working on this, and, uh, and it, is, it is super intense. But I can guarantee when you're done with it, uh, you will be plugged in. You'll know who we are. We'll know who you are. Uh, I don't know which one's scarier. And, uh, and, and you'll be plugged in to actually achieve your dreams. So next Sunday, 9 a.m. in the FLC, which is down below over there, um, you can come. If you're new, please connect. We need to know who you are. You need to know who we are. Um, God takes the solitary and puts them in the family. And so if you're supposed to be a part of this family, I can guarantee in three weeks you'll know it. If you're not, I can guarantee in three weeks you'll know it. And that's totally awesome. That's the cool part about all this. And so, uh, so we're going to meet down there at 9 a.m. starting next Sunday. And, uh, and we're just excited to see what God's going to do. Equipping, empowering, and enabling people to go after what God has already put in you. He will bring to fruition without question and without worry about provision. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.